ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so today's short reminder then entitled the means to the dua being accepted will be a short reminder taken from the works of some of the scholars in particular from a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Ibrahim rahimahullah ta'ala a book that he wrote regarding the topic of dua a book that was read and approved by a Sheikh bin Baz rahimahullah ta'ala he mentions here various means that a person should take various means that a person should guard over the one who desires for his dua to be answered. Dua, no doubt, is something of a great importance to the believer. And it is a terrible state, a terrible state, a believer who does not call upon his Lord, a believer who does not ever make dua, then that person is certainly in a terrible state. Dua is an act of worship. Dua is an ibadah. It is something that you do seeking closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, calling upon your Creator with your needs, calling upon Allah in His praise. So certainly the dua should not be something neglected by anyone. Dua in times of difficulty, dua in times of ease, dua in asking Allah to maintain the blessings He's given you with, and dua to ask Allah for what you require in times of difficulty. Dua should not be neglected by anyone. When the dua is made, then there are certain things you should bear in mind to ensure or to try to ensure that your dua is answered. Because one of the greatest things that you hear from the people is that we made dua and we made it repetitively and constantly, but it wasn't answered. The dua wasn't answered. I didn't get what I was asking for. This type of speech is not befitting because a person needs to know whether he has taken the means for his dua to be answered in the first place. So the first point with regards to the means is الْإِخْلَاصُ لِلَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ to have absolute sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during making that dua. فَهُوَ السَّبَبُ الْأَعْظَمُ لِإِجَابَةِ الدُّعَى That is the greatest cause and reasoning behind the dua of an individual being answered. The one who makes it sincerely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sincerely to his Lord and his Creator, in a state of poverty and need, recognizing how small a servant of Allah he is, recognizing whom he is calling upon, that absolute state of sincerity in dua is from the greatest of the means for the dua to be accepted. وَلَا أَدَلَّ عَلَى ذَلِكَ 
من دعاء نبي الله النون عليه السلام وهو في بطن الحوت from the examples of that is the dua of Yunus alayhi salam when he was in the stomach of the whale wadua ashab al-ghar alladhina tabaqat alayhim as-sakhra and the dua of those who were in the cave and the rock had covered the face of the cave those famous stories that are known those examples of the dua that they made are from the greatest of the examples of the dua being answered for the one who makes it with that absolute sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the scholars they said, لا يستجاب الدعاء بسرعة إلا لمخلص أو المظلوم Dua is not answered quickly. Dua is not answered quickly except for the one who is mukhlis, the one who is absolutely sincere in that dua that he makes, O mazloom, the one who has been oppressed. Because as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned regarding the oppressed, the dua of the oppressed, there is no barrier between it and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they used to say the dua is not answered quickly unless you are upon absolute sincerity. And that is something Allah has commanded us with in the religion, in the Quran. Call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Mukhlisina lahuddin Upon sincerity of religion to him فَمَنْ دَعَى رَبَّهُ غَيْرَ مُخْلِسٍ غَيْرَ مُخْلِسٍ لَهُ فَهُوَ حَقِيقٌ بِأَنْ لَا يُجَابٌ The one who makes dua to Allah without sincerity then that type of person is deserving of his dua not to be answered. So sincerity to Allah, that is a key point. Number two, you could say, number two, from the affairs to God over, in the dua being answered, because of course everybody desires for their dua to be answered, in particular when the people find themselves in times of difficulty and hardship and grief, then you desire that Allah answers your dua. So what is the second point? The strength of your hope in Allah, that you have a definitive strong belief and hope and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answering your dua. Not that you are only making your dua half-heartedly. When you make dua, you do not make it half-heartedly. Rather when you make dua, you make it with conviction. The strength of conviction. The servant having his trust and absolute dependence in Allah. That is a means for the dua to be answered. As for a person who only makes his dua half-heartedly, then the possibility of your dua not being answered becomes high. That's why the scholars, they say, Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah mentioned, when you make dua to Allah, you do not say, Allah. That is one of the times you do not say it. You do not say in your dua, Oh Allah, allow this for me, or give me this, or give me that, inshaAllah. In dua, you do not say that. In dua, you make it with conviction, that Oh Allah, I am the servant 
I am the small servant of my Lord, of you, my creator. And I ask you for this and I ask you for that. And bless me with this and bless me with that. And you make it with conviction and trust and dependence in Allah. Not only half-heartedly, not really believing that it will be answered. Only with half a heart, inshallah, give me this or inshallah, bless me with that. And your heart is not 100% in it. Then the chances of the dua not being answered become higher. So have absolute 100% conviction when you make that dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَشِدَّةُ التَّحَرِّ فِي انْتِذَارِ الْفَرْجِ And you have the conviction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove that difficulty from you. That the grief, the concern, the worry, that will be removed by the permission of Allah. You have conviction in that. وَزَالَتِ الْغُمُومِ وَانْجَابَتِ الْهُمُومِ فَإِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَى Indeed, with difficulty comes ease, as the Qur'an mentions. إِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَى Indeed, with difficulty comes ease. So if some difficulty has overcome you, some grief has overcome you, some concern, some worry, something is on your mind, then make dua to Allah with conviction, asking Him to remove that worry and grief and concern from your mind and from your state. And you make that dua with conviction, for indeed Allah says, with difficulty comes ease. Ease comes after that difficulty. In the Quran also, وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا Whomsoever fears Allah remains patient, fulfilling the obligations of Allah, staying away from the prohibitions, then يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes an escape for that person from that difficulty. Makes an escape for that person from that grief, from that hardship that they may find themselves in. Who does Allah give that to? The one who fears Him, remains patient upon obedience and stays away from sin. What do we see the people doing instead? When the difficulties come, when the difficulties come, and no doubt the difficulties will come, no doubt the difficulties will come. They come to a person at times in his life, and they go from a person at times in his life. تِلْكَ الْأَيَّامِ نُدَاوِلُهَا بَيْنَ النَّاسِ Allah said, those are the days. We alternate them between the people. Days of happiness, and then days of sadness and grief. It will come. Do not expect, as the scholars mentioned, do not expect your pathway in this world to be laid out with roses. Do not expect your pathway in this world to be laid out with roses. Rather, there will be times of ease and there will be times of difficulty. So when those times of difficulty come, what do the people do? They fall into depression. They fall into grief to the extent that they become weak in their ibadah, weak in their worship, weak to the extent they may even abandon obligations of this religion. Then you make dua in that state, 
What dua of yours do you expect to be answered? And you have become negligent of the obligations of this religion. You have become negligent of what Allah has commanded upon you. And then you expect the dua to be answered. You are performing haram day and night. Your income is haram. Your expenditure is haram. And then you expect your dua to be answered when difficulty overcomes you. Rather, a person in those times of difficulty should not fall into depression and sorrow. If you are a person who is upright, remain upright. If you are a person who is not, then begin by fulfilling the obligations of the religion. You are negligent in your prayer, you are negligent in other aspects. Begin by completing those aspects of your religion. Make your dua and perfect your religion. But do not be negligent of your religion and then expect the dua to be answered. So the second point here, when you make your dua, make it with conviction. And the reality when you think about it, who is the person who is going to have conviction? Who is the type of person who will find peace and ease in their heart to have conviction in making their dua? Will it be the person who is a sinner, a wrongdoer, somebody who is negligent of the obligations of their religion, does not practice their religion, does not practice the obligations? That type of person when he makes dua, will he have the conviction in his heart for his dua to be answered compared to the one who is upright upon the obligations of Allah. Rather the one who is upright upon the obligations of Allah, then they are the ones who expect their dua to be answered. As for the one who does not care about his religion, upon ignorance and sinning and wrongdoing, then that person even when he makes dua will not find the comfort in his heart when making that dua will not find the connection to his Lord because of his negligence in the practice of his religion. So no, if you want peace, calmness, tranquility in your hearts, you want to remove that grief, you want to remove those difficulties of this world, then be a practicing servant of Allah, fulfilling the obligations of Allah, and staying away from the haram, then you are in a state where you are an obedient servant of Allah. You make your dua with conviction, knowing that you are the one who fulfills the obligations of Allah. As for the one who doesn't, He makes his dua and he knows in the back of his head that he is still committing all types of haram. He knows his income coming in is all haram. He knows he spends his money on haram. When he makes his dua, what peace will he find in his heart? When grief overcomes him, what peace will he find in his heart? That is the second point, to have conviction in your dua. Some of the examples the scholars they mention, one of the famous ones is the example of Yusuf alayhi salam. When, or rather the father of Yusuf alayhi salam. When the story, the famous story occurred regarding Yusuf alayhi salam and his brothers. So when Ya'qub alayhi salam discovered that, his first reaction to it was, when he discovered this terrible news that was being brought to him, his first reaction was, as mentioned in the Quran, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ Patience. 
Patience. Difficulty overcomes you. What is required of you? To recognize and know that all of what happens in this world is by the decree of Allah. So upon you is patience. Patience upon the decree of Allah. Patience upon those difficulties. And to return to Allah even in those times of difficulties. Asking Allah to remove them. And that is exactly what Ya'qub did. Patience. Even at hearing the news regarding the death of his son, as they said, patience. Because that is the reaction of a person who is an obedient servant of Allah. And that's why you see, despite the prophets and the messengers, having all of the tests and the trials that they did, the difficulties that they faced, which were far greater than any difficulties we face. Hence, in the narration it is mentioned, The most tested of the people, the most tried of the people, are the prophets. Then those who are most resemblant of them in their firm practicing of the religion, then those who are most resemblant of them. Because no doubt, when you practice the religion of Allah, and you cling on to it, it will bring you tests and trials from the people. It will bring you difficulties and hardships from the people. But the prophets and messengers faced that already before you. And they were patient when they faced those difficulties and trials. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them victory as a consequence. Gave them success as a consequence. From their patience and perseverance. And trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Point number three. For the one who desires that his dua be answered. At-tawbah wa raddil madhalim. Making tawbah. Asking Allah to forgive you for your sins and your shortcomings. Do not be a person who is a sinner carrying on with his sins and then making dua. Quit your sins. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you for the sins that you've committed. Being sincere in that way, seeking Allah to forgive you for your wrongs, it shows that you are humbling yourself before your Lord. Shows that you have humility before your Lord, asking for forgiveness for your shortcomings. Even some of the du'as that you read, they are for this purpose. When you finish the prayer, think about this. When you finish your prayer, do you not say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. Is that not one of the du'as after finishing the prayer? To say, Astaghfirullah. I seek forgiveness from Allah. Why would you be seeking forgiveness from Allah? When you have just performed one of the biggest worships, the prayer. You have just performed the prayer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And straight after you're asking for forgiveness. Why would you be asking for forgiveness? Straight after performing this great act of worship, the prayer. What have you done to ask for forgiveness? Why? Because even in that state, even when you have just completed this great act of worship, you recognize that you 
are a servant of Allah who can make mistakes. A servant of Allah who can make errors. A servant of Allah who can fall short in your worship. So you ask Allah for forgiveness if you fell short and you didn't quite perform the prayer as it should have been. Even then you're asking Allah to forgive you for any shortcoming in that prayer. Think about when you exit the bathroom. One of the du'as mentioned by some of the scholars from some of the chains is that you say, Ghufranak. Now think, you have come out of the bathroom. You have just used the toilet. And then you come out and you say, Ghufranak. Again, meaning the same thing as seek your forgiveness, O Allah. Seeking forgiveness now. You've just come out of the toilet. And you're seeking forgiveness for what? Anyone? During the time you're in the bathroom, relieving yourself, answering the call of nature. During that time, is it permissible for you to be reciting the Qur'an? Is it permissible for you to be doing any type of prayer or dhikr or ibadah as such? No. You're in the toilet. After you finish and you come out, that time you were in the toilet was a time, a gap, where you were not performing any worship. So you come out and you say, Allah forgive me. Forgive me for this time with no worship in it. Because you were not able to in the toilet. So a servant of Allah always recognizes his shortcomings. Always recognizes his sins. Some of the salaf they used to say, if sins had a smell, meaning every time when you commit a sin, if that made a bad smell come from you. Like when you run and you sweat, the smell comes from you. Well, some of the salaf they said, if a smell started coming from you, every time you commit a sin, then people would not be able to sit anywhere near me. Meaning he recognized that he is simply a poor servant of Allah who commits sins and errors. Nobody should think themselves that they have reached a pinnacle. They have reached a level where they do not sin and they do not have shortcomings. In the hadith, the hadith Qudsi, Allah tells us, Ya ibadi, kullukum tukhti'una bil-layli wal-nahar. Oh my servants, all of you, sin, make error day and night. All of you, make error day and night. Fastaghfiruni, aghfir lakum. Seek your forgiveness from me. Ana jami'a. I am the one who forgives the sins. So seek forgiveness from me. Because indeed you as the servants in this weakness of creation, then no doubt all of you fall into error day and night. The Prophet said, Kullu bani Adam wa all of the servants of, or the sons of Adam, all of the sons of Adam are sinners. They make error, they make mistakes. But the best of them are the ones who recognize their mistakes and seek forgiveness from Allah. They seek repentance. So the third point the one who wants his dua to be answered, then look at your own state and the sins and the wrongs you're upon and seek forgiveness for them. 
Don't expect your dua to be answered and you've done so much sin and wrong and you don't care and you don't repent. Seek forgiveness. That's why Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, if you find yourself in a state of difficulty, you find yourself in a state of grief, state of sadness, some difficult state has overcome you, then he said the first thing you should do is look at your own state of affairs. Are you a person who has a pile of sins stacked up? A pile of wrongs that you do stacked up? Are you a person who is a sinner and a wrongdoer? If you are, then you have already got for yourself some degree of explanation for the difficulty you find yourself in. So the third point, seek repentance, forgiveness for the sins and the wrongs you've done, for your dua to then be answered. Also, if you want your duas to be answered, then return the rights of the people for the wrongs that you had done to them. Return the rights of the people for the wrongs that you had done to them. And that is mentioned in the Hadith Qudsi also. When Allah says, Ya ibadi, inni haramtu dhulma ala nafsi, waja'altuhu baynakum muharrama, fala tadhalamu. Oh my servants, I have made dhulm, oppression, wrongdoing. Haram upon myself, Allah says. And I have made it haram amongst you. So do not oppress one another. Do not do dhulm to one another. Do not transgress against one to another. Oppression, dhulm, haram. And it is of different types. The type that is being referred to here is the dhulm a person does to another. The rights you take off your brother. The rights you take off your sister. The transgression you do against them. In your speech against them. In your actions against them. Wronging them and oppressing them. Perhaps due to your envy of them. Perhaps due to your personal problem with them. So you speak and you say things regarding them that are lies and untruths. You try your best to degrade them and belittle their importance. Belittle their, their standing with you and in the community and with the brothers and the sisters. Try to degrade them, lower them, lie about them, backbite them. All of these wrongs you do against another. On the day of judgment, the Prophet ﷺ said, أَتَدْرُونَ مَنِ الْمُفْلِسِ Do you know who the bankrupt one is? قَالُوا مَنْ لَا دِرْهَمَ وَلَا دِينَارَ لَهُ They said the one who doesn't have any gold or silver, he doesn't have any money, he's the bankrupt one. But the Prophet ﷺ said to them, It is not as you think. The bankrupt one on that day will be a person who used to do the worship, used to pray, used to fast, used to do other acts of worship, yet at the same time, he would oppress this one, and oppress that one, lie against this one, abuse that one, beat that one. So then all of those people... 
they will come on the day of judgment to take their rights back from that individual. So they will begin taking away his good deeds. Taking away his good deeds to balance out and to get their rights back. One by one his deeds are taken away until no good deeds remain. Yet the people seeking their rights still remain. There are more of them left. But his good deeds have run out. So then how do they get their rights back? They will remove their evil deeds, some of them, and start placing them onto that individual. How wretched a state is that? You lose all of your good deeds that you did due to the oppression you did against others. Due to your evil speech against others, your actions against others, perhaps because you wanted to preserve your own status, perhaps because you wanted to preserve your position, you wanted to preserve your respect, so you lie and you abuse and you beat others, on that day they will come and take your good deeds, and there are still some left and you have no deeds, they will cast their evil upon you. So now is the opportunity. Raddul Mavalim. Before that day comes upon you, return the rights of the people. Return the rights of the people, those whom you have taken their rights from them. Because here as it mentions, that is one of the means of the dua being answered. So if you do not return the rights of the people, you are a wrongdoer and an oppressor and a transgressor, then where do you expect your dua to be answered? You transgress and wrong the people and do not return their rights. Sometimes the people they ask, what if I had oppressed somebody many, many years ago? And I don't know where they are now. I don't know what's happened to them now. But I remember 30 years ago, I stole 10 pounds out of their wallet when they weren't looking. 30 years ago, I remember doing it. But I don't know where that person is now, where he's gone, lost contact with him. How do you return the rights of that person? What do you do? Anybody? How are you going to return the rights of that person? You haven't seen him for 30 years. Dead, alive, gone, who knows? So the scholars, they say, if you find yourself in that type of situation, and you're not able to return the right to a person you don't know how to, then give charity on behalf of that person. Give charity with the intention of that individual, the wrong that you had done to him. So that he gets the reward of this charity, and then that is the equivalent of you returning the right to him. That is what you should do. That is what you need to do. And that is what you must do. If you are a person who has wrongs upon other people listed against you, and you're not able to return them, then utilize the opportunity in giving in charity. And in this month of Ramadan of all months, free yourself of that accountability now before the accountability of the hereafter. So the third point, return the rights of the people. Return the rights of the people. It's mentioned... That somebody said to Sufyan, a Thawri, one of the Salaf, لو دعوتوا Allah, if I make dua to Allah, meaning will it be accepted? قال إن ترك الذنوب هو الدعاء. If 
he leaves his sins, then that is the dua. That will be the proper dua. A person who abandons his sins seeks forgiveness and returns the rights of the people. Number four. Number four. As-salama min al-ghafla. Being free of negligence in your religion. And that is what we mentioned briefly earlier. A person who is an individual that has a heart connected to Allah. As for a person who has no connection in his heart, meaning his heart is empty and void, he never does any remembrances, never does any supplications. After the prayer, salam, salam, gets up and runs. No remembrances, no supplications, no dua of the morning, no dua of the evening, no dua after the prayers. Never does a thing. His heart is empty, vacuum, void from the remembrance of Allah. Then that type of person will have less of the dua being answered or possibility of it being answered. Compared to the one whose heart is linked and connected to Allah constantly and regularly. That is the individual whose dua is more likely to be answered. Also the fifth point is kathratul a'mal as-saliha. Doing lots of righteous actions. You want your dua to be answered? Then do lots of righteous good actions, whether they are the obligatory of course, and then the sunnah, giving in charity, being righteous, being kind, being generous, all of the goodness in your behavior and your actions, the righteousness in your actions, your obedience, all of that will aid you in doing, or aid you in, having your dua answered, the righteous and the good actions and the behavior. And the final point we'll mention for today is the timings of when you make your dua. In the sunnah, it tells us that there are certain times that are more likely for your dua to be answered. And there are many mentioned in the sunnah. We'll mention one important time, and that is the last third of the night. The last third of the night is mentioned as a time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heaven and says, مَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرُنِي فَأَغْفِرَ لَا who is seeking my forgiveness, I will forgive them. Man yas'aluni Who is asking me and I will give them. In that last third of the night is a tremendous opportunity to make dua, to do worship, to recite the Qur'an, to pray. A great opportunity in that final portion of the night when Allah descends to the lowest heaven closest to the earth. Making dua at that time should not be missed. Missing that opportunity always and regularly is a problem. The scholars and the salaf, you read their biographies, it is the norm, the norm to get up in the last third of the night. Abnormal is to not get up. Abnormal for the scholars and the salaf is to not get up. Normal is to get up. Whereas for everybody else, normal is to sleep. Abnormal is to suddenly get up one night and pray. So you need to remember these things and that is only a brief amount of a reminder regarding these issues of dua, regarding these issues of your worship, your obedience, your trust and dependence in Allah. Because when a person, a servant is tested and tried... 
and you will be tested and tried in this world. Then you make dua to Allah. You need to have these other affairs in mind, recognizing that they will aid in your dua being answered. So that is where we'll round off this brief reminder for tonight. And we'll conclude upon that point. If there is any question or anything to add, then perhaps we have a minute or two until the uh, Adhan of Maghrib that you can do so. Correct, that's mentioned by the scholars that the time prior to the opening of the fast It is mentioned as a time that you should utilize in dua. That is mentioned by the scholars too. That is one from amongst the times. Yeah, this dua, ذهب الظم أو تلت العروق وثبت الأجر إن شاء الله that one is done as you open your fast. You can do that before your fast, before you open the fast. The dua can be made leading up to the fast. And then once you open your fast, you make that dua. Because the, the that can only happen once you open your fast. Huh. If, if you make dua, لا, why? You make your dua before. Five, ten minutes before. It doesn't mean on the time of the fast. There you are. Before. Before as you're leading up to the time. Huh. Dua after the prayer. Congregational one is bid'a, of course. Uh, independent dua, you can do it. But this habit that people have after every prayer... Finishing salam, salam, doing some supplication, and then a dua with your hands raised after every single prayer, that is not sunnah. It is not sunnah to raise your hands and make dua after every single prayer. Yes, you generally make dua in the prayer. In the prayer, when you are praying, in the prostration, in the final tashahud, you should be making the dua. After the prayer, sometimes you raise your hands and make dua, okay. But every time or regularly, then that's different to the sunnah. Sunnah is making dua in the prayer, not after the prayer. Raising the hands, it's not a major issue of the levels and the amounts, but you raise your hands generally. Raising the hands is a means of the dua being accepted. Wiping the face after you made dua... And we'll conclude upon this point. So what is the ruling regarding wiping the face? You finished your dua and then you wipe your face after you finish your dua.
Fast has opened. Looks like that question will remain a mystery forever now then. We're not going to be able to answer it. What is the answer? Wiping the face after making dua. What's the answer? Wiping the face after making dua. Bradford resident saying it's not from the sunnah. Liverpool saying... Ikhtilaf, difference of opinion, mashaAllah, safe answer. Anybody else? Manchester saying, where's Manchester? Oh, you're Bradford now. Manchester? Ikhtilaf again. Nobody can give any answer. Nobody knows whether you should wipe your face after the dua or not. Bid'ah. Where? Who said that? Where are you from? Libya. Libya says it's bid'ah. The fatwa from Libya is it's bid'ah. There are a hadith. There are a hadith about wiping the face after dua. They are all weak, la'if. But some scholars do say, some scholars do say, even though all of the hadith about wiping the face after dua are weak, putting them all together just about just about in the opinion of some scholars gets it to an acceptable level that if you did do that it's not really something that can be rejected upon you opinion of some scholars others they say no the ahadith are weak combine them as much as you want they don't get to the level of acceptability so it's bid'ah it can't be done but some say when you get all of the narrations together, just about all of them together, because when you have lots of weak narrations, and they're not that weak, when you put them together, they can just about be considered as acceptable. Some scholars say that is the case here. Some. So some say you could do it. But others, they say, no, it doesn't get to the level of acceptability. Basically, if somebody was doing that, wiping their face afterwards, it's not something to get into an argument over. If somebody was doing it, it's not something to get into an argument over. If somebody doesn't do it and they say the hadith are weak and I don't agree, they get to the level of acceptability, fair enough, no problem, agreed. So it's one of those issues where it's not an issue to fight over. So we leave it on that. No, that's different, that's different. But the night blue, that's mentioned specifically. So we'll conclude on there. We'll have to conclude on there. Everybody's going to get angry soon. Prayer then food. So inshallah ta'ala we'll conclude upon that. Uh, until the next time. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.